We break down the Charlotte Hornets game against the Indiana Pacers and the loss to the Atlanta Hawks all coming up today on Locked on Hornets. You are Locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. You can subscribe wherever you get them. Follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail. Follow Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH. And you can find the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Thanks for joining us to get the week started. A little bit of a different type of week because we have Thanksgiving on Thursday. We're going to be doing a Thanksgiving oh, yeah. show this week, right? Aren't we going to be doing like the classic? We want who can we compare dishes to to the Charlotte Hornets players? Are we doing a draft, Doug? Do we have some Thanksgiving type things set in the plan? Yeah, we've done those things in, in the past. We've done Thanksgiving drafts. We've done roster comparisons. I, I, I would just <laughs> like to focus this year on on sort of an unknown item on the Thanksgiving table or or at least an X-factor item on a Thanksgiving table, maybe like a sixth man of the year okay. for people's Thanksgiving table. You can tweet yours at Locked on Hornets. What is your Thanksgiving sixth man? And we've got some guests coming up uh, this week that I think will have some insights on that as well. Yep, that's absolutely correct. So I don't want to give away the guest lineup, though, right? Like, should we should we tease Secrets. it? Or yeah, I I think the secret way is the way is the way. I'll to go tell you way. if yeah, I think we shouldn't give it away just in case we can't come through. <laughs> that's very true. Yep. So we're gonna play. But I'll like tell you, Wednesday, I think on. we've got somebody pretty special lined yep. up. Going to be exciting week uh, and happy Thanksgiving week to everyone. Again, tweet your answers for the sixth man of six dish. Of the year, right? Sixth yeah. dish of the year. That's right. It's the okay. it's the food because it can't be turkey, it can't mm. be ham, it can't be mashed potatoes. I'm talking, and, and I want some unique like ones that. here. I know you guys are hiding some foods in your Thanksgiving. Maybe you're ashamed of them. Don't be ashamed. They're mm. the sixth man. They come in off the bench, and they provide you, your individual table, a very unique treat. That's what I want. All right, yeah, and I, I like that. Don't go to the hardcore sides where you know you're going to get mashed potatoes, you're going right. to get even the mac and cheese. Like, I want something right. a little bit further down the roster. I like that we're on the same page. Come see us be on the same page and be animated about this conversation on our YouTube channel, Lockdown Hornets. A lot of people subscribing. That's awesome. Love you guys watching us daily. That's awesome to see. So really appreciate that again, YouTube. Simple as it is, Locked On Hornets is the channel. All right, let's go talk about the win first. Let's do the good news, bad news thing, except let's go with the good news first. They beat the Indiana Pacers. With that win, they went on a five-game winning streak. They won 121-118. to 118. And Doug, I saw you reference that video, the podcast, as the game was unfolding. LaMelo was scoring a lot of points. You had asked that question, is this a game where we see nuclear LaMelo ball in the scoring column? And we did. 32 points. Remember, he scored 31 against Indiana in the opener. Scored 32 here. Grabbed 11 rebounds. Gave you eight assists and goes 12 of 22, four of nine from the perimeter. You called it, Doug. LaMelo was awesome in this game. However, some late game mistakes to make it close. 
Yeah, well, let's focus on the positive first, the the point production. I, I did call for it, essentially, because I thought the Hornets were going to need it. I, I think they they don't need them to do that every game, but occasionally you need LaMelo to step up and knock down shots throughout the game uh, that, that give them big leads. I thought, you know, we might be witnessing history in the making. It feels like every superstar has a couple of teams that they just pick on. And I mean, LeBron picks on us. LeBron picks on the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets franchise. I, I would say he's, or we are one of his franchises. So I think we might be w- witnessing history in the making. The Pacers may be a team that LaMelo picks on for his entire career. It's what he's done so far, you know, especially in these first. And remember, Devontae Graham kind of did that too. Like for some reason, the point guards just get off against Indiana. Devontae had the excellent game. I think it was against Indiana in the opener of his breakout season when he thrusted himself into the starting lineup in the first 10 games. LaMelo, a little bit more special and doing it on a couple occasions. So great to see LaMelo do that. But again, the fourth quarter mistakes, Doug, you can't have those because we've seen those collapses this year. And boy, it really made things a lot tighter than I thought they were going to be. So when you lose a game, but you like take the to take the uh, Lakers game for example that they had the very end of their losing streak on the road. We called that a moral victory. We don't love moral victories because they don't count as actual victories, but that was a moral victory. Uh, this, on the other hand, was where you do put a W in the win column. We're not really going to remember at the end of the season when we count them all up how this game ended. But this one felt like an immoral victory because by the end of it, Carlisle, head coach of the Rick Carlisle, head coach of the Pacers, had dumped his entire starting lineup, pulled a uh, Tom Thibodeau, pulled his, insta- his entire starting lineup in the third quarter and went with not not just the bench unit. It, he went all the way deep into the bench unit, played all 13 of his guys, and uh, the bench unit stepped up, including a couple of uh, former Hornets and Brad Wanamaker and Jeremy Lamb knocking down big shots for the Pacers. But it was it was the there was the Pacers bench unit stepping up, but it was also Lamelo and several others uh, turning the basketball over. And the and the ones that Lamelo had in particular, I thought, uh, were pretty were pretty egregious. Uh, I did I didn't feel like um, he was protecting the basketball, kind of leading the offense in that situation. And then he had the one play where he kind of went up and tried to do like a fancy pass instead of actually just putting it down. There's a couple of moments like that where it's like, okay, Lamelo has room to grow as a leader of this team. Yeah, decision-making comes to mind with LaMelo at times, right? It's the shot selection we've discussed quite a bit, and it's also just at what point do you want to try those crazy passes, and it wasn't that time, certainly in the fourth quarter. Defense allows Indiana to score 33 in the fourth, and it's only score 23, but again, they come out with the three-point victory. And you mentioned a couple of those guys going off. How about Jeremy Lamb in 16 minutes? Scored 23 points, going four of seven from deep, hit all seven of his free throws. Here's a question we were pondering before we started recording. Do Hornets fans like Jeremy Lamb, or do they care about Jeremy? You can't dislike Jeremy, right? I don't think that they like care deeply about Jeremy Lamb in a way that they care deeply about Kimba Walker. But at the same time, Jeremy Lamb provided moments that I think some Hornets fans will never forget. I mean, the the three quarters buzzer beater against the Toronto Raptors. He had a few of those just big time shots that Hornets fans will will never forget. Also, Jeremy Lamb was kind of a player who 
grew within the franchise. And you always love those guys, right? You love the guys that you take, and they're they're not quite where they need to be career-wise, and then they grow within your franchise. And that's what happened with Jeremy Lamb. So always a soft spot, but I don't think we care. But he cared. He cared enough to drop 23 on the Hornets. Yeah, and it's unfortunate the injuries have held him back in his time with Indiana. I actually think Charlotte really likes Jeremy. You know, not he's not a star, but he also embraced Charlotte. Remember, he would go to the corner pub. That was his spot. Loved playing darts. He -hmm. also had his baby, the the gender reveal party on the side of the apartment building next to Romar Bearded Park. Do you remember that? Where yeah, it the lit view. up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the view. That's right. It lit up in all pink to signify that he was having a girl. Marvin Williams was there. And Jeremy, remember, lamb face was a thing. All the funny gifs that was put out there because of Jeremy's reactions to something. We Jeremy was a character in the Charlotte Hornets book. It's true. I mean, it's funny the players that embrace Uptown. There are players that embrace the city, and then there are players like Kemba who, uh, you know, really embrace the city as a whole, but not necessarily Uptown. You know, he was more of a he was more of a suburb cat. He still lives mm-hmm. there, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then there are certain guys that come in, and they know they're not going to spend their whole career here, so they're like, I'm going to go to Uptown and have some fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go have some fun, man. So Jeremy Lamb scoring 23 points, and at least Charlotte gets it done there. Five-game winning streak. At least they have that kind of goal, right, to win five games in a row. And then the next day, they would lose to the Atlanta Hawks, and we'll get to that in just a moment on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. But not before I mention prize picks. Have you ever heard about prize picks? It's a daily fantasy sport app made easy. I love this. I know you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown in the NFL. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use promo code NBA. You can pick two to five players and over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry uh, and it's just you versus the projected numbers, so you don't have to go up against any kind of funny business. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe too, and it offers fast withdrawal. So don't hesitate. Check out PrizePicks.com and use promo code NBA, or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, not done yet. There's another product I want to discuss with you. It's DirecTV Stream because you know how familiar this is. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite show then you're watching sports highlights on your phone but you have your neighbor's best friends log in for all of that stuff i want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle there's also a great way to finally get your tv together it's called direct tv stream and it brings your live tv and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place that means no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and it's Uh, the best part is that there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter, get rid of the confusion, get your TV together with DirecTV Stream, and you can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. The content does vary by the package. All right, let's discuss that Hawks loss. Was it a scheduled loss on the NBA schedule? We'll talk about that next on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. And you have to wonder, is there a time for them to do that now? <laughs> no, is, is he is he mad at the, the center position? I mean, it's it's yes. It's, yeah, God, Mitch, make a trade. <laughs> that's just good. That's just good sports talk right there. 
It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, so the Hornets would move to two games, uh, three games above 500 with that win against the Pacers. Then they would fall to just two games above 500 after their loss to the Hawks. This happened on Saturday, 115 to 105. Charlotte made it close. They had a four-point deficit they were trying to battle back from with just over a minute's worth of time. And then Trey Young hit a dagger. Or maybe it was Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish. Those were the two guys at the very end of that game. Yeah, Reddish killed him. And, yeah, yeah, Reddish killed him, and Herter hit that big dagger, I yeah. felt like. I think that was the first one. And then Reddish okay. kind of put any hope to bed whatsoever from the corner. And here's the thing about Atlanta. You know, it was Reddish. <laughs> I thought where you were going to go with that was, yeah, it was Herter who really hurt them. Um, Reddish did that as well. It was like, yeah, but so did Trey Young. So did John Collins. Man, you look at Atlanta's box score. They had six players score 15 or more points. You usually hear that stat with players that score 10 or more, but they had six score 15. John Collins, 15. Clint Capella does the Daniel Gafford thing, only misses one field goal, 10 of 11 from the field, scores 20 points. That's happening way too much. Trey Young scored 19. Herter scored 17. Gallinari scored 16. And Cam Reddish scored 17. Everybody gets 15 points, and we're handing them out like Oprah. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Capella, 2015. He was 10 of 11 from the field. They play Washington tonight. They played Washington a few nights ago. Daniel Gafford was 8 of 8 to start the game. I mean, this is a recurring theme. They are they are struggling to deal with players inside. And and by the way, Atlanta knew that. The game plan, you saw it early on when, when teams really kind of have their script together and they know what they want to execute on a team is going to be in that first quarter. And it was Trey Young over the top to Clint Capella over and over and over again. And it was just devastating to watch. But this, I think... I'm going to call this not only a schedule loss, Walker, but I think it's also a rotation loss because without P.J. Washington, you've seen uh, Coach Borrego really shorten up the rotation, sometimes only playing eight guys significant minutes. I think there were some tired legs on Saturday, especially having to exert a little extra energy to beat beat down the Pacers. Yeah, I I mean – Anytime you're playing the second night of a back-to-back on the road after playing a team like Indiana, I think that's probably not going to be in your favor, and especially against a team like Atlanta, who's a pretty good basketball team, a team that gets to the conference finals last year. So I think that's safe to say. Um, also, a couple of players to look at and how they performed against the Hawks on our side, right? We just went over the Hawks stats and what they did. But if you look at what the uh, the Hornets were able to do, trying to pull up the box score, it just went out on me. But you look at Gordon Hayward, 11 points, not much. 15 from LaMelo, kind of going back to the 5 of 18. Have you noticed, like, there's 18 field goal attempts here recently from LaMelo. And, and there's been some bad ones when he shoots those. Uh, Terry Rozier scored. Likes that number. Yeah, I guess so. Cody Martin has been very good the last couple of games. So, you know, can't really knock him for what he's been well, able yeah, to do. Well, yeah, I, I would say, like, Cody and Kelly coming in off the bench, their first substitutions, they really gave the Hornets a little bit of a punch mm-hmm. that kept this. This one could have been really out of hand really early. Instead, this is why I, th- I think it's a schedule loss and not so much a fight loss, you know, where you just lose the will to go on. Uh, which, and Borrego said it after the game. Team had plenty of fight. I just don't think they had a, enough legs because they were down 12, it seemed like, the entire game. And they would fight back, and they just didn't have enough, not enough shots, not enough ability to get to the rim, not enough ability to stop the other team from getting to the rim. It just felt like they didn't have the legs to get this one done. All right, Doug, you declared that Terry Rozier was a certified <laughs> gamer, and you were very clear on that. How do you have to that. do this to me? You also declared that he was back 
And uh-huh. you did that with emphasis after scoring 18, 20, 19, all in a row, good field goal percentage. Um, since then, four of nine against Indiana, four of 13 against the Hawks. The three-point shot continues to be not only a problem, but a really big one. I mean, he is not shooting the ball well at all this season. Are you walking that back, your comment that Terry Rozier was back? Uh, yeah, I think I'm ready <laughs> to take yes. it back <laughs> it's been difficult and you're right it's all I think most of it is the three-point shot although I would say I think I think he got less minutes late in the game against I want to say it was against any Indiana or perhaps against Washington because he was also turning the basketball over and making just bad not not turning the basketball over but just making bad decisions with the basketball um he's you know he he tends to kind of uh, take some ill-advised shots when his three-point shot isn't going down and he's trying to get going. Um, and and I, I I do feel like he wants to be the closer. And sometimes that want to can run into the fact that he's not having a great night. Sometimes it works. I mean, you've seen him recover from a bad first half plenty of times, but then sometimes he doesn't. And, and it could really hurt the team late in the game. Uh, it's been difficult to watch. I really just hope it gets figured out because there are fans on Twitter right now looking at Terry Rozier, and I think not terribly unfairly asking the question, hey, what about book night? We're seeing some big eye-popping stats in Greensboro, and then we're seeing what's happening with Terry Rozier. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's getting less unfair as time moves on. That's insane, though. I mean, think about that. Terry Rozier gets this massive contract in the offseason, an extension to remain here with Charlotte, and now we're asking for a guy that hasn't seen any time that was drafted in the first round this season to maybe get some time as well because Terry's just struggling. Is this something that you view where you're trying to take away Terry's minutes because you want to see James Booknight? And that's the thing, too. Like Cody Martin, we just praise for playing pretty well. The 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 three-point shot where he's not set all that well and he still hoists it up and actually makes it, that's not something Cody Martin is, one, doing frequently even now, but not even attempting last year. Um, and like one he, that I and one that I don't think we're certain that Book Knight could do on the NBA level yet. Yeah. Uh, but 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 the uncertainty that's what that's what piques people's interest. They're they're interested in what they don't know and what sure. they can't see. It's like it's like the franchise is hiding Book Knight right now, and I think fans are looking at it and going, "Hey, I, I'm seeing what Rozier is not doing. I quit hiding Book Knight away in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. I want to see what he can do." Um, but but I think the bottom line is that maximum Terry Rozier is going to be more successful for you than even like meets expectations book night in his rookie season. So that's why I think the Hornets have to, as tough as it is sometimes to to watch these three-point shots not go in, I think they've got to stick with it at least for a little while, uh, you know, and and see if they can pull Terry Rozier out of this uh, nosedive because it's all across the board. It's in his PER. It's in all the Mm -hmm. advanced statistics. Like he is not – even close to the level of production that he had last season. All right, uh, Doug, I know you have some stats for my face uh, coming into this game with Washington. Round two, the Hornets were able to beat Washington in this five-game winning streak that they just recently went on, and you've got some stats about maybe the Wizards, just overall about the Charlotte Hornets. 
Uh, this is uh, some Wizards stats, some Hornets stats, some overall stats. I'm getting these from yardbarker.com. want to give them credit, but I uh, love these stats here. These are some stats for your face. Miles Bridges has scored 22-plus points in each of the Hornets' last six road games against Eastern Conference opponents. So Bridges playing well on the road. And we, we did even mention the fact this gets buried because of the schedule loss to Atlanta. But Miles Bridges had a career high in points, yeah, 35. He, did. he was amazing in that game against Atlanta. Tough shots, too. Hit some really tough oh, ones yeah. in that game. Let me, let me just say this about Bridges. The, the, the layups that he is hitting with his right hand, I could not have even fathomed him hitting these type of layups and going strong to the hole like he's doing in his first couple of seasons. I just couldn't imagine it. It's, a, well, it's amazing. Well, Doug, I remember, I know we're going a little too much in on Miles Bridges here, but I remember you talking about I don't think it. we can go enough yeah. into Miles Bridges, honestly. Well, you discussed the three-point shot is kind of going to be attached to Miles' success in the NBA. How well is he shooting, and where does that bring him as far as what kind of player he can be. And it's not that he's even doing much damage from the perimeter right now. You know, last year we saw a significant increase in three-point percentage, and that unlocked something very much so, and, and still shooting well from the field, getting to the rim. But he's actually not shooting that well right now on a decent volume, and yet still he's putting up very good numbers and being a plus player. His entire game has evolved. I think mm-hmm. he, more than any other Hornet over the last five to ten years, his game has changed and evolved, maybe other than Kimba Walker finding a three-point shot. That's the last time we've seen a Hornet player completely revolutionize their offensive game. Because if you remember in those first two seasons, Walker, we were saying if Miles Bridges doesn't hit threes, he's basically useless on offense. Like He's got to get in the corner, get open, and, and knock down his three-point shots. And now that's just not necessary for him to have a great offensive yeah. night because of how – I mean, you, one has to assume you don't just wake up, roll out of bed, and and hit those tough layups with your right hand. I mean, it's got to be the work that he's put in into the gym. 100%. Uh, you want another I, stat for your face? I, I do. I would like that. I was going to ask for it. Uh, let's go back to Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier has scored 19-plus points in each of the Hornets' last five games against the Washington Wizards. So I'm ready. You know what? <laughs> I'm Not ready to declare. We don't I'm ready that. to declare Terry Rozier will be mm. back against the Washington Wizards. Yeah, you have more declares than Andy does on the office playing that game in Savannah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Built Bar before we head to the next segment here on Lockdown Hornets. I love Thanksgiving. In fact, we just had to have an impromptu Thanksgiving because of some different trips we're going to be taking this week, and it was fantastic. The turkey, the good food, the mashed potatoes, all of that great stuff. But one thing that you need to start thinking about for dessert might be Built Bar. It could be the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it so you don't have to eat that slice of pie that's up to like 300 calories, and that's really on the low end. Instead, you can indulge in a Built Bar that only has like 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, but it's high in protein and it's high in fiber. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday too, so mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises that you can indulge in a lot of those different flavors the grasshopper cookie, the limited time flavors, but also the staples like double chocolate, even the fruit and intersection of chocolate and fruit like banana, orange, raspberry. It's also good. Go to built.com, use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Enos Cantor had some very critical comments about Michael Jordan. We get into that coming up next on Lockdown Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. 
Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like, it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there. And then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it's just, it'll, it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thank you for playing that bump heading into this type of segment, Doug. It's extremely Mm -hmm. appropriate, and I appreciate you picking the one that perfectly matches what we are about to talk about. So, Enos Cantor, as I mentioned, very critical of one Michael Jordan. And where did he appear, Doug? I know the video clip, he appeared on uh, on one of the news channels to discuss this. What was it? Uh, This was uh, CNN. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know which CNN program. I'm not a CNN aficionado, but um, it was a CNN program. All right. So so here's the clip. And I saw Nada quote tweet this um, discussing Enos Cantor's comments about Michael. But just go ahead and play the clip, Doug, so people can uh, listen to it. Uh, LeBron James is one of them, but not many people are talking about Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan has done hasn't done anything nothing for the black community in America, in America besides just, you know, giving them uh, money. I feel like we need to call out these athletes. I, at least LeBron James is going out there and, you know, uh, being the voice of all those uh, people uh, who are oppressed, you know, in America. But Michael Jordan has not done anything for the black community because he cares too much about his shoe sales uh, all over the world and uh, America. So I feel like we need to call out these athletes and not be scared of uh, who, uh, who they are. I know, I imagine a lot of people in the black community would disagree with that and we'll have to put those um, allegations, those strong allegations that you just made. So there you have Enos Cantor saying Michael Jordan isn't doing enough for black people. And as you heard, the anchor kind of refute that a little bit, at least in the opinions of black people. Well, that hold, she's on, heard now, from. Now, hold on now, because I think this this gets to part of the issue. It's not that he said that he's not doing enough. It's he says he's doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you heard you heard all of that from Enos. And look, we've talked about this with Nada quite a bit. We also have to acknowledge that we've got two white guys on this show about to mm-hmm. dive into this subject where we are trying to dictate what Michael J- Jordan is doing for the black community and what he's not doing. And so we have to keep that in perspective that we are two white guys discussing this. But as you have Nada, former host of this podcast and if not even friend, family member of the podcast, obviously, quote tweeted that and said, you know, one, I, Enos ignoring the human rights violations in this country where he could be helping African-Americans, but instead is focused on China. That's funny, but predictable. Right. And he's also saying that, you know, for the record, Michael Jordan has bankrolled two low cost clinics in the blackest remaining areas of Charlotte. Enos Cantor needs to sit down. It's embarrassing at this point. Doug, it kind of is right. Like we can get into some of the stuff that he's done here in just a moment, but what this seems like is that he watched The Last Dance, watched the chapter about his comments that Republicans buy sneakers too, watched some of the uh, the commentary that Michael wasn't doing enough then, and decided to just blast that out into the public on that type of forum, on CNN, when we know Michael has been extremely involved in the community for the last however long, certainly since he's been the owner of the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets. Yeah, and you could hear the anchor at the end uh, sort of raise an eyebrow at those at how strong those allegations were. I, I don't think that Enos Cantor necessarily needs to sit down, but I think he does need to, if you're going to level that kind of allegation that someone's not doing anything for a particular community, then you need to make sure that you have your facts straight, that you understand um, that, that, that he actually has not done anything. Uh, when, when you and I know that, that Michael Jordan has done uh, plenty of, 
uh, for for the communities in Charlotte uh, that that need help the most, and and doing it in a very specific way. Because I think oftentimes these allegations come, and y- you you hear people say, "Well, they are they are just giving money." Yeah. Uh, well, f- well, number one, uh, money can help build things, and that can be money can be a very positive thing. But I would say, to Michael Jordan's credit, that money has gone to very specific causes and very specific needs. Um, in, in a way that you don't often see from philanthropists. So let, let's take a look at this real quickly. I, I'm actually kind of fascinated in the transition of Michael Jordan in this very subject because I think there's been a big transition. We can go back to that time. We can watch The Last Dance. We can look at some of those criticisms. A lot of it was centered around the Harvey Gantt, Jesse Helms mayoral race and the fact that Michael Jordan didn't want to donate, didn't want to put money forth on Harvey Gantt, or at least publicly endorse him. I actually think he did put money on that campaign, and he would clarify that. But he didn't want to publicly endorse Harvey Gantt, and the comment was that he said Republicans buy sneakers too. So he didn't want to mess with his money by coming out and publicly endorsing what could have been the first black mayor of Charlotte. And instead, Jesse Helms wins says uh, and just an outright overt racist and a lot of people were angry at michael look here's the thing i think you can i think it's really tough for white people to say what they want from michael jordan but black people certainly can and there's also just the overt racism of jesse helms that divides this into right and wrong rather than just politics where jesse helms was absolutely saying some of the more racist stuff that would not fly not even five years ago not today even and so if you wanted to ask michael to do more then that's completely fine i don't think michael cared as much i do think he cared about the money but also there was just a level of him not being interested enough in politics to go publicly endorse somebody like harvey gant but let's even take it all the way to now okay now what we know michael has done enos if you want some facts here's some facts for you michael jordan in February of uh, February 15th of this year, announced he would open two new medical clinics in his hometown of Wilmington, North Carolina, and he donated $10 million to do so. Those clinics are actually going to go open up in 2022, so very soon to open. We also know that the Hornets Foundation, he do- uh, donated 25000 to Novant Health to assist with the COVID-19 relief fund. So, also, we know Michael has donated in total about $17 million to Novant Health, opening multiple clinics into places that aren't exactly the wealthiest parts of Charlotte, and he's going to take care of anybody that's not insured or underinsured to make sure that they get good medical care as well, which is extremely important. And look, here's something else. I remember, I, I always reference this. I remember talking with George Whitfield years ago. And it man, it might have been it might have been 2017 when he opened up those two new clinics, or certainly the first one. And uh, you mean the, Fre- Fred Whitfield or Fre- Fred Whitfield? What did I say? Yeah. You said George Whitfield. Whew. Man, no, did not mean George Whitfield. I meant Fred I was like, Whitfield. Was that his, is that his father? Did you know? <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> his grandfather? Talking with like, Fred Whitfield. I don't know why gotcha. I said George. But I remember talking with, with Fred Whitfield about the times that Michael has cried in his life, okay? And he gave mm-hmm. three instances. Fred, longtime friend of Michael who knows him behind mm-hmm. closed doors where we're not even watching him. He said he cried during his father's death. He cried when he won that championship against the Lakers, right? And he's holding that NBA trophy. And he right. cried at the ceremony opening up the new Novant Clinic that he just worked so hard and donated money to go open. 
This is somebody that cares a lot about this. We also know after George Floyd's death, when there was an emphasis on Black Lives Matter and a big time emphasis on racial justice here in America, what happened with Michael was that he donated more than anybody to black charities, $100 million. According to Forbes, it's the larger, it's the largest corporate donation made in the response to George Floyd's death. Like, quite literally yep. number one. You know, look, mm-hmm. My, Michael is not that's Michael. That's Michael. He's got to gotta be number one. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, maybe, maybe there is some competitive balance there. Like even the most cynical of pocket watchers can't look at Michael donating a hundred million across multiple, multiple charities that do that help that help the African-American community in a bunch of different ways. Like you can't say that like, well, all he's doing is donating money. Look, if you wanted to have criticism for Michael back in the day, that's fine. Like I, I understand completely coming out and, and not publicly endorsing Harvey Gantt, it's bad, and and that's fine. But here's the thing that white people get so tripped up on. You have to come with that same energy for Larry Bird. So Enos Cantor, you got to come with that same energy for any of these white stars in the NBA. A little bit different because Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, those guys are from overseas. Maybe it doesn't hit the same, but it doesn't matter. You are you're calling out Michael Jordan in a way where you aren't calling out white people. And so it's important. Black people have done a lot, man. Like, they've been doing a lot to try to figure out a way that they're treated equally in this country. And so it's up to white people to carry that baton and that torch the rest of the way. Yeah, and well, and I think the reason Jordan's coming up there, I would, I didn't watch the whole segment, but he's also, he's also talking about LeBron James. Yeah. And so there may be some of that weird, like, comparison yeah, shopping who's, that who's tends greatest? to happen who's the greatest and and then this is the yeah category and i don't know why about. we have to have i don't know why Whew. we have to have a goat conversation about what people are doing for for certain communities but i wonder if part of the frustration that enos is trying to voice is this conversation around like what people are saying versus what they're doing so okay jordan does x y and z by you know donating the, this uh, amount of money but but he isn't tweeting about it he isn't you know that's you know he's not he's not being vocal about it like lebron james is being vocal he's not out wearing t-shirts and and i think it's unfortunate what i think is it's an interesting conversation one that i i don't i don't know that i'm totally prepared to have but i would just say it was it's very interesting to to when when people have those kind of comparisons about what people are doing versus what they're saying and which one is more powerful and which one is doing more good i just wish that in this particular situation enos didn't feel the need to tear michael jordan down in order to prop other people up in a way that's like just not I, true like lying. In, in a way that's it, no yeah. exactly and and again he his his accusation was that jordan has done nothing and that's where he fundamentally is I mean, incorrect and i think the 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 anchor there calling him out rightly and and i think you know we have to we have to continue uh to to set some records straight because i think people do watch the last dance they do have just sort of a baseline understanding of what Jordan has said over the years or not said over the years, I guess, is, is, is more to the point. And they don't have an understanding about what he has actually done um, to to help underserved communities. Well, and you know, and look, man, like there's other things we didn't even mention. Opening up the Spectrum Center as a place where you can go vote. They were the second team to do that. Atlanta was the first, yeah. and then the Charlotte Hornets, they followed suit immediately. You know, they mm-hmm. embrace African-American history within, the, like Michael has done 
a lot here recently. In fact, I would say more so than any owner. I, and look, that that's something that might be a little reckless. But man, I, I can't think of anybody at the top of my head, at least right now, that has done more than what Michael has in the sense that benefits African-Americans in this country. And quite literally so from a corporate donation of $100 million. If you just want to go to straight monetary value, bam, you're done. Michael's already number one. And then even doing the, you know, and the, even the tweet, like Michael comes out with statements against oppression in this country. He comes out in mm -hmm. response to Donald Trump's comments. He comes out in response to the deaths of a Jacob Blake or a George Floyd. Like he makes statements and pretty immediately so. I, I just, it, it's just not true anymore. Okay. Like it, it might have been true in the 90s. It really might have. And we have specific instances to back that up. But it's changed for Michael. And I think that's something that we need to continue to take note of. Um, all right. Are we done? Do we have any other weird, uh, unnecessary and inappropriate bump that we want to go to at the end? Or should we just go ahead? And oh, I got, well, listen, I got I got plenty of those if you want them. <laughs> uh, by the way, all, in all fairness to Fred Whitfield, there is one other famous time that Michael Jordan cried. Um, and that was at the Hall of Fame. You know, ceremony. Oh, they, that might have been it too. That might have been it. And well, and, and did he, since did he then, mention that? Well, well, since then, even like that interview was, man, I was just breaking onto the scene. That was like so, 2017, something like that. Mm -hmm. But he even even cried in front of us with the uh, with Kobe's funeral. You know, attending that and speaking uh, in part of uh, of Kobe Bryant. So yeah, uh, yeah. Listen, people. Listen, people uh, do things in their own way, and. Um, you know, I just this this comparison shopping, this judging how people, uh, you, you know, flex their power. I think it's just a very tricky situation, and Enos sort of found himself Ooh. on the trickier side of it. Yeah, and he's got an interesting background as well, right? Fighting for people trying to get out of a country like well, Turkey. and I think I was I I forgot to mention that when you were just talking about uh, Enos early on, is that Enos you know, uh, comes from Turkey and he has been targeted by his government. And so mm -hmm. he under he understands oppression, which is, you know, again, I just, I feel like, um, it's, it's very difficult when we start to to bring other people down to prop other people up, I think is, uh, it's a difficult proposition. All right. Just be, what I'm saying is be careful out there. And I'm also saying Terry Rozier, Welcome back. All right. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every single day. Tomorrow, we've got another guest to come up, but we're going to keep it a secret. We're not going to tell you who's coming up tomorrow and Wednesday Ooh. as well. Got a good one. Look, I'm excited about this week. Thanksgiving comparisons, uh, sixth dish of the year, and a couple guests will be bringing at you coming up this week. That uh, Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and it's available on all platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets, and we'll be back with you tomorrow.